0: We are Tom and Julie Meekins.
1: I'm a dad, grandpa, and brother in Christ.
0: And I'm a mom, Grammy, and sister in Christ. And
1: together we entered the world of special needs 26 years ago with our youngest daughter, Amy.
0: Our desire is to help you be the champion for your kids that you want to be.
1: And we hope that you find something here that will make your world a little brighter. Today's podcast is called How do you get through the hard days?
0: Mm, And we know that every one of Mm. you have hard days as well. How to get through the very hardest of days. Here's the story of one of our most difficult seasons and how we made it through. On June 9th, 1995, our fourth and youngest child at the age of six weeks was in the ER of a big teaching hospital in Baltimore, seriously fighting for her life. It was our 16th wedding anniversary. Hmm. But now, let's back up six weeks.
1: On April 12th, 1995, that baby girl surprised us with being born a month early. She had a pretty rough start as she was born not breathing and rushed off to the neonatal intensive care unit. Two days later, we would find out that she has CHARGE syndrome. We would learn that CHARGE syndrome came with the prognosis of being blind, deaf, intellectually intellectually challenged, and probably she would not walk, talk, or eat by mouth.
0: On that day, our world was completely turned upside down. At the same time, we began a journey of discovery. Here are just a few of the things we learned and had confirmed on our journey. God is faithful. Mm, Always. Always. This was no accident, and it did not happen by chance. God loves Amy and all of our children. God loves us. God has a perfect plan. God equips us. God wants us to bring our fears and tears to Him. God doesn't always take us out of our struggle, but He always stays near through it. God changes our minds. Mm -hmm. God molds us. God uses us.
1: And the Bible verse that became very encouraging and personal to us at that time was 1 Thessalonians 5.24, which says, He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.
0: And it is still so vitally important to us, isn't it, every day.
1: So Amy came home for the first time after two weeks in the NICU. She came home with a tube in her nose for feeding, an apnea machine to alert us to heart issues. Oh
0: man, I hated that machine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like it was always going off. (laughs) It did. And a long list of specialists with whom to make appointments. We brought her home with a boatload of fears and in total exhaustion. But God was still And still is faithful every single day.
0: But God, right? But God, that's what we have learned to say quite often. We had to feed her every two hours, and it took an hour to actually get the food in her tummy through that tube in her nose. Why? Because she had several esophageal. She had severe, excuse me, severe esophageal reflux. That means that the food would go down, but then it would come right back up. Reflux is a painful and debilitating situation for a newborn. Our poor baby was in a world of hurt and weak and exhausted.
1: But God, but God carried us. We had no energy. We had nothing. We were at the end of ourselves.
0: Mm. I remember walking down the hallway of our home one day, crying out to God, saying, God, I can't do this anymore. Immediately, there was a very real sense of his presence with me, within me, and he impressed upon my spirit this message. You are not alone. This still makes me cry. Mm -hmm. You are not supposed to carry this burden. Give it to me. I am with you. Life was still excruciatingly hard, but I knew, without a shadow of a doubt, That God was with all of us.
1: Fast forward to June 9th, 1995. After six weeks of watching our baby get worse and worse and worse.
0: That's pretty, pretty tough. One day I cried out to the Lord again and I said, God, please take her to be with you. She is hurting so much. She's not comforted by my touch. This is so hard. Please take away all this pain and take her home with you. Those six weeks were agonizingly painful for Amy. They were upsetting and confusing for her two four- and six-year-old siblings. They were beyond depleting for us, the parents.
1: But God, but God gave us everything we needed, moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. He walked us through diapering, feeding, hugging, dressing, bathing, all four of our young children. Yes,
0: we, he did. And we did every, all the other everyday things, mm-hmm. right? We brushed our teeth. Mm-hmm.
1: Normal things.
0: <laughs> and combed our hair and got dressed. We washed the laundry and did the dishes. We cleaned up spills, wiped noses and bandaged knees. Some days, that was all that we could do.
1: And, of course, sleep was a challenge. Uh, During these early days, he kept me awake on my one-and-a-half-hour, one-way, one-and-a-half-hour commute to work.
0: That was when I kicked you out of our bedroom because Amy was sleeping in our room with us and sent you to the guest room so that you could get some sleep. She
1: had to be fed every two hours so it would mean no sleep (laughs) if that didn't happen. And
0: it took an hour to feed her, so I could make that up during the day and just, you know taking care of the children, but you can't do that when you're driving and trying to work in the workplace.
1: We were definitely in survivor mode, but God brought us through the details of that survival. Mm. It was decided to have uh, Amy undergo an operation with a procedure to stop the reflux that was destroying her and to allow for the placement of a feeding tube into her stomach, a G-tube.
0: So, that takes us back to our 16th wedding anniversary. There we were at the pediatric emergency room because Amy was not doing well. That's an understatement. We got to the hospital at 9 a.m. that morning for pre-op appointments Mm -hmm. because we were going to have that scheduled surgery five days later. It was now 5 p.m. Got there at 9. It's now 5 p.m., and we had not eaten all day.
1: Yeah, I remember telling her story 11 times.
0: That's right. To
1: different people, different offices, different uh, doctor's offices that we uh, attended. So
0: many different specialists. Yeah, Yeah. the specialists.
1: So um, during that day, at the end of the day, I went to find some fast food in the hospital because we were hungry.
0: In that short time that he was gone, Amy crashed. She was in a protective little isolate hooked up to all kinds of bells and whistles with only a small round opening in which I could place my hand to let her know I was near. I was standing there with my hand on her back, and all of a sudden things felt different. It was surreal, but I knew a split second before all the alarms piercingly sounded that she was gone. Then At least eight medical professionals ran into the room and began to work on my baby. Even then, God was near. Tom returned in the midst of the crisis. We had no idea what was going to happen next, but we knew who was going to orchestrate it. He firmly held all three of us, all during that crisis.
1: Long story short, he chose to save our Amy. He didn't have to. He could have decided to take her home. To him, like Julie asked, but he had a different plan.
0: Did that mean that life all of a sudden was a path of ease? No mm-hmm. way. We still had so many questions on how to incorporate a child with disabilities into the fabric of our family with our other children. We wondered how the siblings would be affected short term and long term. We still needed to do all the things you need to do to raise four children.
1: But we had just gotten another lesson in God's loving care, another confirmation that if He would walk us through, that He would walk Mm -hmm. us through such dark days.
0: So, if He would walk us through those days, He could also equip us
1: and guide us, yes, and love us through anything to come. Mm. He guided us to take one step at a time. To take, of, take care of, here's a whole list of things that had to be taken care of. One toddler fun, antic, or meltdown. And One, they would happen like simultaneously
0: the, sometimes.
1: <laughs> and we had three others mm-hmm. um, that were all close in age. Uh, a preschooler excited to show a project. A kindergartner uh, requesting a story read and acted out. Mm-hmm. An infant tube feeding. The next preparation for a meal the next basket of laundry to fold, the next errand uh, to get groceries or gas in the car, or the next time to mow the lawn. All just everyday normal things.
0: Mm -hmm. Always just the next Mm. thing. Just like God prompted Elizabeth Elliot. If you've read or listened to Elizabeth Elliot much, you have probably heard her use the phrase, do the next thing. Here, she explains the rationale behind it. I believe this is part of a transcript from one of her Gateway to Joy radio programs, the transcripts of which used to be published on the Back to the Bible site, but sadly are no more. Now, I got all this information from uh, barbaraleeharper.com, and I'm going to put the link to this in the show notes, so you can go there too. But this is what she had to say. When, this is Elizabeth, when I went back to my jungle station after the death of my first husband, Jim Elliot, I was faced with many confusions and uncertainties. I had a good many new roles besides that of being a single parent and a widow. I was alone on a jungle station that Jim and I manned man together. I had to learn to do all kinds of things which I was not trained or prepared in any way to do. It was a great help to me simply to do the next thing. Have you had the experience of feeling as if you've gotten too many burdens to bear, Elizabeth says, far too many people to take care of, far too many things on your list to do? You just can't possibly do it, and you get in a panic, and you just want to sit down and collapse in a pile and feel sorry for yourself. Well, Elizabeth says, I've felt that way a good many times in my life and I go back over and over again to an old Saxon legend which I'm told is carved in an old English parson somewhere by the sea. I don't know where this is, but this is a poem which was written about that legend. The legend is, do the next thing. And it's spelled in what I suppose is Saxon spelling, D-O-E for D-O-T-H-E and then next N-E-X-T, thing, T-H-Y-N-G-E. So that's kind of fun that she put that in there. She goes on to say, the poem says, Do it immediately, do it with prayer, do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all resultings, do the next thing. That is a wonderfully saving truth. Just do the next thing. She goes on to tell about applying this in her missionary work and then asks the listener, what is the next thing for you to do? Small duties, perhaps? Jobs that nobody will notice as long as you do them? A dirty job that you would get out of if you could. Have your own preferences. Are you asked to take some great responsibility which you really don't feel qualified to do? You don't have to do the whole thing right this minute, do you? I can tell you one thing that you do have to do right this minute. It's the one thing that is required of all of us every minute of every day trust in the living God. Now, what is the next thing? Well, perhaps it's to get yourself organized. This is Elizabeth still talking. Maybe you need to clean off your desk if you have a desk job that needs to be done. Maybe you need to clean out your kitchen drawers if you're going to do your kitchen work more efficiently. Maybe you need to organize the children's clothes. Then she tells about babysitting her grandchildren for a few days and finding the constant demands and needs of multiple children daunting. When she asked her daughter how she managed, especially with a nursing baby, she laughed and she said, Well, Mamma, I'll tell you how. I do what you told me years ago to do. Do the next thing. Don't sit down and think of all the things you have to do. That will kill you. It's overwhelming. It's daunting. If you think of all the things that are involved in a task, just pick up the next thing. Wise advice indeed. We don't often know the whole big picture, but we can tend to... The immediate needs of the moment. And God will sustain and guide those individual moments as he leads us along the path of his will. So.
1: That is exactly what we did. We did. We got up every day and did the next thing.
0: And the children are very happy to tell us what that is, right? They <laughs> yes. want to eat. They want their diapers changed. <laughs> they yeah. want They want you to play with them. Sometimes
1: I call it, we put it into neutral and just <laughs> do the next thing uh, without emotion. You you know what has to be done, and so you just go at it. You go to work, be a good worker, moment by moment, step by step. And now, 26 years later, we live in that different plan, that different plan that God had for us and our family. He chose for us to be a family affected by disabilities. He ordained the path, and we walked it, and are still walking it.
0: He decided that not only should Amy live, but oh, how she is thriving. She wrote a devotional book. It's called Heart Recharge Devotionals, and you can find it at heartrecharge.com. So, what we learned through the experience we shared in this podcast and what is confirmed every single day of our lives— is that we are never alone, and neither are you. God wants you to cry out to Him. He wants you to lean into His love for you, His equipping, His guidance, His compassion, and His wisdom.
1: If you would like to explore this further, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at championsforparents at gmail.com. As always, if you need support, in brainstorming ideas specifically for you, don't hesitate to reach out to us at champions4parents at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.
0: So we invite you to check out our website, again, champions4parents.com, and invite you to email us at championsforparents at gmail.com. Also, come find Champions for Parents on Facebook.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, goodbye for now.